Welcome back. Season five. I wasn't sure we were going to make it. I think Never Why? a doubt. Never a doubt? Never I don't doubt. know. Every summer it gets a little harder, I think, Okay. to come back. I feel like we pushed this one back a bit, too. Actually, this is early. Oh. I think last summer we got, we got pushed into October. But no, we're back. We're back. Um, and we got a good guest. Um, someone who people, I think, all over the state, this is not necessarily a Lansing connection. This is a Michigan, a Michigan guest. Joe Short is the owner, founder of Short's Brewing Company in Bel Air, Michigan. A, a favorite stomping grounds of the Resch family. I think a few of us here have been to Shorts, and Joe was very gracious with his time, and he's our guest today. It's the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Yep, I got it all. We got it. So you're, what do you want to do now? Was, why don't we do this at the beginning of the Kurt episode? Okay. We'll put, get Kurt, put Kurt to bed. Nighty night, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the intro. <laughs> That was incredibly <laughs> creepy. <laughs> Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rush Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really. I was distracted staring at Joe's cold oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's got it on his, it's, on his it's desk. It's always right here. here. It's always here. And by the way, the, the, the ratio of like fruit to disgusting is like 1 to 10. It's got some disgusting stuff and some fruit. Yeah, There's like nothing disgusting. One part fruit. What's, what, what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it, but it, it looks like cucumber mash and maybe a couple of chopped apples. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your... Say that! <laughs> Welcome back. This is Matt Resch of the Resch Strategies team, and you are listening to the season premiere of season five of the Cold Oatmeal podcast. Uh, we are a public affairs and public relations firm in downtown Lansing, Michigan. Uh, you can find us at reststrategies.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at reststrategies and this little podcast at Cold Oatmeal Pod is also on Twitter. I'd like to go around the room uh, kicking off the season. We have a new face, new person in the room. I'm going to start with you. Anna, kick us off. Introduce yourself, please. Anna Heaton. Well done. Carly Buell. You read your name. Or actually, just said Well done. Well, she enunciates it so well. It's yeah, a, she it's does. A, it's a high bar we Anna set here. Anna Heaton. Nicholas <laughs> DeLu. Stephanie <laughs> Vancouvering. Stephanie, <laughs> you sound like a game show host. <laughs> Hailing from Lansing, Michigan. Stephanie Vancouvering. This is different. <laughs> Nikki O'Mara. Joe Beshi. So we are back and clearly well-rested after a summer off... <laughs> Ready to get into season five of the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Any quick summer highlights of anyone you want to throw in here before we get into the... I'm sad it's over. You're sad it's over? Yeah. <coughs> I'm happy it's over. Okay. We balance each other out. <coughs> I, I like love fall. summer. I like fall, too. I like fall, but it got cold very fast. Yeah. Spooky this was the most season. disjointed summer ever, because just because of COVID and all the stuff going on in the world. It was You couldn't really make summer plans. It was tough to make summer plans. Mm. It did feel like a weirder summer than even last summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Well, last summer I was defiant. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have fun. I don't care what anybody says. And this summer I was like, we're all going to die. So. <laughs> well, we made it. Yep. Um, and we're going to talk to Joe Short. Uh, Joe is, uh, I said in the intro, the, the owner, founder of Short's Brewing Company. It really, a, a really a Michigan success story. I think it's up to the second or third biggest Brewing, brewing company in the state of Michigan, up there with with Bells and, and founders, and he has built 
quite a little story up there in, in Bel Air. Um, has really turned that town around. It's and it's a great place to visit. So as we were thinking about people to talk to, um, thought, hey, I'll reach out and see what we can do. See it's, can and it's worth noting that Matt has been fangirling all week about this. I mean, I'm not going to say that you've squealed yeah. and waved your hands, but it's been in a Matt Rush way, kind well, of that way. Pod- Giddy the almost. podcast isn't over yet. <laughs> still, we have to hear about I that sandwich one more time. <laughs> the sandwich. We'll just wait. <laughs> Joe Short. So Joe Short, founder of Shorts Brewing Company, with us on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Joe, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I have to start. I am a huge fan, and actually, I've been nervous about this since I actually took a flyer and sending that little email to your website. I think there's no way, there's no way that he's gonna that anyone's gonna reply and say that they want to do this. So I'm I'm excited <laughs> to do this. We have been my family have have been religious visitors to uh, Bel Air and and your place for I don't know 10, 12 years now. So it's been it's a thrill to talk to you. Well, we're honored, and uh, we appreciate your support over the years. So thanks. So I wanted to get started here. When did you brew your first beer? How old? Because you, you started this when you were 22. And I'm curious, when did you brew your first beer? It's 14. Yeah, so I think it was uh, June 1st, 1999. I was 19. And what was it? A, a family interest? A, an interest? Of, what? Why Why beer? Why not, you know, make pizza or bake bread? Why, why beer? Well, um, <clears throat> as a self-proclaimed do-it-yourselfer, um, in a 19-year-old who looked like a 14-year-old, it was a little hard for me to get my hands on some beer. So I figured I'd uh, just teach myself how to make it. So you got to make it yourself. <laughs> That's a good answer. That's a good answer. So when you, you obviously you got started making the beer and then decided, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and when, when did it go from maybe a hobby or something you like doing to something you want to turn into a business? Um, literally, um, probably around... Uh, Let's see, when I, I was 20, so I'm trying to, I'm not even going to try to, do, to do that math, but I think it was like in the early 2000s, um, I started to get good at, at making beer, and uh, it was something I really enjoyed a lot, immensely. It was uh, just this whole new universe that, that really interested me a lot and captivated my attention, and it was something I was really excited about and uh, something that I was starting to develop on a, a skill. And I remember growing up working at the, the bar washing glasses. A couple old guys told me that uh, whatever I decided to do in life, make sure it's something I enjoyed because I didn't want to be a guy that showed up hating my life every day at work. So um, I took that into consideration and I made it a priority to pursue it. This, so as soon as I was 21, I, uh, I went out and, and got my first job at Travers Brewing Company and and it all got the ball rolling there. Now, are you from Bel Air? Is that where you grew up? I'm actually from Rapid City. Uh, so okay. Rapid City is a very small town um, in Kalkaska County that abuts Antrim County. Uh, but we uh, spent a lot more time on the Bel Air, Antrim County side. So is that, that's how you decide. I mean, why, why did you pick Bel Air as the place that you wanted to, to build this little business? So Bel Air uh, to me was rural. Um, it was very charming. Is also uh, really uh, close to uh, water, which uh, I have a huge affinity for. So the chain of lakes is basically right in our backyard: uh, Torch Lake, Elk Lake, Grass River, like all that stuff. And I've also um, was really inspired reading some old uh, brewing history books where 
the early uh, colonial settlers would come and basically they would, one of the first buildings they would build were breweries and a brewery uh, was essentially sort of the, the centerpiece of town. That's where uh, people kind of came together. They, they drafted sort of their vision for building the community. And I, I kind of felt like doing my own brewery in a small community would allow us to, to help shape uh, really the world that we wanted to live and work in. So that's what we did. Where did, where did you find brewing history books? That's not something you pick up at the local library. <laughs> At least the, I've internet. Never seen the internet. The <laughs> internet. Yes. They have that. They have that now. Oh yeah. <laughs> Find lots of stuff on it. I don't think I had it in 2000, but so walk me through. And for those who have been to Bel Air, and I know a handful of us here have have been to the the brewery. I don't remember. I don't think I've ever been to Bel Air before. I had been to Shorts. So you what are were, not alone. <laughs> so yeah. what was what was that little downtown Bel Air? What did that look like before you started? Because right now, I mean, you've taken over almost a half a city block. With, with what you've got going in it. Obviously, that none of that was there before. What was Bel Air like? So it was very quiet, um, very uh, good old boy type uh, leadership, uh, you know, and it's a village, so it's not a city. Um, it is the county seat, and there were a lot of uh, vacant buildings in the hardware store, uh, which was one of them, which is where we set up shop. And it was very, very quiet. Um, you know, we, we get a spike in the summer from the lakeside, you know, cottage folks that would come and kind of infiltrate uh, the area for the summer. But over time, as the brewery uh, became uh, more, I guess, more in the public eye, uh, I guess, essentially, we, we helped make uh, Bel Air a destination. Um, so we have always said that Bel Air is on your way to nowhere. Uh, so you have to make a point to get there. And that was one of the things that I wanted um, our brewery to accomplish was basically uh, for people to go out of their way to come experience, you know, where we live and and why um, we chose to to make beer in Bel Air. So we we take a lot of pride uh, now um, in the fact that we've been able to influence, um, you know, the growth of the town and attract a lot of other uh, folks who wanted to set up shop and run their own businesses there. Now we have a zero vacant storefronts and a lot of redevelopment going on. And it's a pretty exciting time actually to, to be in the village and be part of that, that whole process. So I've read a little bit about the challenge of getting the, the hardware store and turning that into a brewery. And now it's obviously 20 years of, of is it 20 years of history? Yeah, 20, almost 20 years of history. Can you walk us through that story? Because there's, I, I watched the, I read some stuff on the website about that. It's, it sounds like a fascinating journey to get from that that place to where you are now. Yeah. So uh, early on, um, you know, we went through the microbrew process, or, or even just established the brewery. So I'll back up even a few more steps. So rented the brewery, uh, or sorry, rented the hardware, um, bought some equipment. And the day the equipment was getting delivered, a gentleman from the Chamber of Commerce came like walking down the street and he's like, hey, what are you doing here? I was like, well, I just signed a lease on this building and uh, I'm going to put a brewery here. He's like, "Uh, that's a really cool idea, but is the village aware that that this is happening? And I said, no, what do you mean? And he's like, well, the village has to approve 
this type of project that goes in the village. Where's the village? Who do I need to talk to? (laughs) Time is of the essence. And so basically kind of did a a repolish of my business plan and submitted it to the village council for review. And because the zoning did not have a, you know, basically a business model of mine in the zoning, we had to get a special use permit. Um, And all of this was approved, but it was interesting because there was only one village council member at the time that had actually read uh, the packet that I put in for the council to review and approve. And so when the day came for me to basically address the village council and uh, there was one member who said, it was very well written and I think it's a great idea. And everybody else was kind of like, yeah, we didn't really read it, but um, you know. What do we got to lose? Like <laughs> the store's empty. We need, we need and, the you know, we just had a restaurant recently open up in town. So why not let them try? And then so I got through that hurdle. And then the next hurdle was the microbrew license. Um, so it didn't help that I had a handful of MIPs as a college student. <laughs> and then so once I address that barrier with MIPs for the microbrew license. Then I had another hurdle, which was the church. And so if you are going to set up shop within 500 feet of a church or school, they have a right to object um, specifically for things like, is it going to interrupt your service or affect your parking or things like that? And there was no merit um, for that argument. It just it actually just took a bunch of time and money to get through because their argument was like, it was just part of their belief. So um, anyway, so we got through that hurdle and, and I want to put the disclaimer out there is there's a common misconception that the village of Bel Air was against the brewery the whole time, which is never the case. So it's, it was essentially the church that put up that fight that got headlines. And then, you know, we worked through that all. And then um, leadership, of the church had changed shortly after uh, we started operation and the new um, pastor, uh, whoever was in charge of the church came down and, and made a, a formal like uh, sort of truce and was like, mm-hmm. uh, we're all good. So, um, so there you have it. Happily so, ever after. So there's a story in the video you guys put out there that I wanted to get, it felt like there was a, a loose end and it was this, the guy who offered you $200,000 sitting at the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can you tell, tell me that story? Cause did he, was that a loan? In May. Yeah. Did, so was he an um, investor? What's a lender. So I'll just preface this a little bit by saying like shorts brewing company probably should never uh, have existed in real time due to the fact that we chose Bel Air to start up. We didn't have any money. Uh, didn't really know what we were doing. We're on the brink of failure many times, but there was always some level of person or resources that came at the right time, at the right place to get us through the next phase. So Jim was one of those guys and definitely in a, in a larger, uh, I guess, chunk. Um, it, was, it was a big chunk that we bit off uh, that year. And I think it was about 2008 which is when we bought the, uh, the building in Elk Rapids and we were converting it to a production facility. And I was like literally the only guy over there with like tools and jackhammers and, and the pub was kind of doing its thing. And I would 
come back to the pub either in the mornings or in the evenings and just do what I needed to do there. So that particular day I was, I was not working on the new brewery, but I was back at the pub and I was um, dealing with a draft issue. So I was like running up and down the stairs, like lots of times uh, to deal with the tank that was in the basement and the faucet up on the top, just, you know, exhausted and stressed and really not knowing how we were going to pull this off. Uh, Cause we didn't have any money. Uh, and of course we were uh, entering into the fall time. And um, so as I'm back there, um, man, like flicking the faucet back and forth and trying to get the beer to settle down, this guy like over my shoulder, who's sitting at the bar is like, Hey, uh, Hey, what am I going to do to get a mug club membership? I was like, man, I just really don't have the capacity to deal with this right now, but I'm like, all right. Um, I just kind of turned around. and was like, so here, here's the deal. Like there's a wait list. I think the current wait is like three or five years. I'm not really sure. We only have room for like 150 on the wall. And if someone gets theirs up, then the next person goes in line. So I turn around and start doing what I was doing before. And then he's like, hey, I, I just I just can't wait that long. I, I really need one. I was like, wow, what is it going to take to get a mug club member? And then I was just, I don't, I, I don't know. I was just kind of like, well, what, what is it that I really need? And I kind of just did some quick math in my head and like, what is, what does the production brewery need to get over the finish line or at least look at the bare bones. And I was like, all right, guy, I'll tell you what I need. I need 150,000 bucks. That's, <laughs> that's what I need uh, for you to get a mug club membership. And I kind of turned away because I assumed like that was the end of the conversation. And um, I'm a, uh, it's again kind of fiddling with the thing and I and I leave from behind the bar and I go walk uh, between the bathrooms um just about to the brewery uh to head back downstairs and then he kind of chases up behind me taps me on the shoulder and he's like I'm in I'm like what do you mean you're in <laughs> like I want to do it I was like what <laughs> like yeah I'll pay you $150,000 <laughs> you know it was I was like oh, I mean like a loan because like basically we can all we all we have to offer is prime plus two and we're a we're a distressed you know this is a distressed loan like we we do we we cannot show you on paper that we are able to pay it back so this is like literally just a good faith effort it's like yeah my, my money's not doing crap in the market and I, I kind of retired early and I, I believe in what you guys got going on here you know i'm really impressed with you and leah and, and the crew and thank you i'm willing to invest in that and so long story short, I was like, hold, hold that thought. <laughs> so <I> walk, <laughs> walk through the office and um, I call my partner, Scott, who is working remote and he was, he's in the banking industry. So he knows like a lot about um, money and stuff. I was like, dude, I got, I got to fish on, man. I don't know if this is real. <laughs> but, but, um, like this guy's really offering to pay. And, and then uh, of course he was like, but I'm going to give you 200 or 250. I don't even remember. Cause I, cause you're going to need it. <laughs> okay. Twist my arm, you know? Um, so do you remember anyway, what, do you remember uh, what Barry uh, was drinking when all, when this all happened? I, you know, I don't. Um, I was actually wondering that as I started this conversation and when I bump into Jim, I'll have to ask him if, uh, if he remembers. But, you should re rename it after him. Yeah. But I mean, just, completely unassuming, totally modest. I mean, he's the guy who will just kind of like stand in the corner and, you know, we, we bring him to the anniversary party every year and he just, 
will stand there quietly and just observe. And in every year, almost the movie see him, it's, it's super sentimental because we both get like a little teary eyed and choked up and, 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 you know, we're looking around the magnitude of this party that's got 3,500 people in it and how we've transformed this whole freaking community. And we're just like, Oh my God, like we would not be here without you. And he's just, you know, he's just, it's so touching um, for both of us to just be in that, that right space at that right time back in 2008 that, you know, he was willing that he had this faith in us and uh, that faith in us gave us the next uh, piece of the puzzle we needed to move forward uh, to continue to, you know, basically work hard, have fun and, and make a difference, you know, and, and that's kind of the, the pillars of, um, you know, our culture right now. And man, what a great memory. Did you have any, ex- I mean, if you're 22, I mean, I'm guessing you didn't have much business experience. You were a, you were a brewer who opened a business. Did you, how, do, how would you manage that part of it, the, the running of um, what's now a pretty big business. So I've, so I've always been an entrepreneur, um, good enough at math, but, uh, some, somewhat, uh, unorganized and, um, really, uh, again, uh, like I said, Schwartz was never really meant to be, but I feel like the right people came in at the right time. So my wife, um, she really kind of uh, came in and started running like the checkbook and the front of the house operations. And then we met Scott and he's just this financial guru. We gave him the nickname, the magician, because he would just call the banks and make the late fees and all this other stuff go away. <laughs> um, and it was literally just assembling the team. And I think it was like, you know, this attraction to the model that we had where it was just like this blind ambition, um, talented people, and some dumb luck, or, or maybe it's not dumb luck, but maybe it was just kind of like destiny, you know? And uh, I still feel that way today. Like, <laughs> I mean, that was the, wasn't the last big hurdle that we've ever had. <laughs> so <laughs> we've had multiple more, many more, and um, many times on the brink of bankruptcy. Um, but we prevailed through private people who had really truly believed in who we are and what, we, what we're out to do. Have you ever thought about opening up a location someplace else um i mean well, aside from we, the elk rapids yeah so we just recently did elk rapids and it's close enough to keep our hands on um but we yeah, had we're actually in the conversation of uh, of that right now we have one other license within our microbrewery status that that we could uh, do another facility somewhere it's a tricky conversation because the authenticity of shorts is so um inherently dependent on like our person persons uh our operators being there being connected to it so um it's being considered Uh, i can't say yes or no but it's definitely something that we've talked about um year after year and and we do get requests all the time um to go set up shop in some other community close by i'm sure there are plenty of places here in lansing if you'd like. <laughs> so, so I've been told. There's some, there's, some, there's some square footage. I want to ask you a couple food and beer questions. Yeah. So I have, and maybe this is a, a bogus theory, but I'm curious what you think about this. I have noticed, I mean, first of all, the food at your place is amazingly good. Thank you. And it really is. I would say that it's the, the, of the big three, I mean, of founders and, and shorts and bells. I've always been struck that breweries, a lot of them, at least those who ha- all have 
really good food, like food that is better than a typical restaurant. And I've wondered if that was because people who brew beer are so careful about the ingredients and what they put in it, that it carries over to the way they prepare food and the food that they, they do, or because I've been to breweries that have bad food too, but I'm just wondering if, if, if you, if that is part of it, because the sandwiches and the food there, it's insane. Yeah. You know, um, I would say that a lot of it probably has to do with like the standards, you know, so we have a high standard uh, for beer and, you know, it's not like the only thing we have a high standard for. So we have a high standard for everything, for our culture, for our food, for um, our cleanliness, our maintenance, like all of that stuff. So I think uh, I I would assume that, you know, Bells and Founders are having you know, high quality food experiences as well. Like it's just part of like that company's culture. And so they've attracted the right talent where in our case, we have the right talent. Um, we assembled, you know, our menu is, we call it the greatest hits um, because when Leah and I were on our way back from a, a, a series of Ween concerts, we started writing that next version of the pub's menu and so instead of calling um, items traditional names like turkey sandwich, it was like the egg salad sandwich was the grobe because there was uh, a lyric that said, bring it to a boil, simmer low, right? So, <laughs> um, and then year after year, we kept changing the menu. And then at about year six, I was like, why do we keep changing the menu? Let's just put all the best selling items on one menu and call it the greatest hits. So I'm sure there's a lot of trial and error and, you know, we're not perfect either. We strive for perfection because quality, consistency, and value are a really important part of um, our our company in general, but especially the food and hospitality side, because hospitality is just tough. Um, You know, the beer world is interesting. You, you are in a, in a, in a space without customers that you can really um, just kind of dedicate your time and attention to that, that brew and all the processes in there. Um, but yeah, I would say like, we just have a high standard and, you know, we like things that taste good. So beer tastes good and food tastes good. And we want them both to taste good. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask something? You guys brew just like a ton of stuff. I think that's like one of the things you're known for. Where do the, the ideas come from for some of those stranger ones? And do you like everything you guys brew? Uh, yeah, so we do brew a lot of beers and we have a lot of talented people with a lot of great imagination. Um, and a lot of our inspiration for beers come, uh, from people and from people who knows where they get their ideas. Some of them are culinary inspired. Some of them might just, we heard of a new ingredient or a new hop or a new grain, uh, that's available, or we had an amazing experience with a food pairing, but, um, it's, it's really a collaboration. And Tony, who's our chief innovations officer, he's like the funnel for all ideas and people will just pitch him ideas all day long. And then we'll test drive them at the pub and we'll see how they perform on tap. And, um, so that's the fun part. I mean, has there ever been, is, sorry, what has there ever been one where you're like, there's no way that's going to work. That's going to be terrible, but it turns out to be one you love. Um, yeah, yeah. We've had some that like you're about halfway through fermentation. You're like, I don't know about this one, man. And then you let it finish out. And, um, so Joyce Almondo was one of those beers, um, tasted amazing. 
But to answer your second question, like, no, I don't like all the beers that we make. Um, I don't prefer sours or uh, murky beers or whatever they call those hazy, hazy IPAs. <laughs> that's what, that's what the, you know, the changing of our, uh, of our growing workforce is all about, you know, so I'm, I'm aging into this, right? So I'm, I'm kind of like the old man dad uh, who likes, like, I like what I like. And then you got like the younger hipper brewer down there who's like, let's put gummy bears and stuff. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I got to ask you, because I think we're probably around the same age. And I, the you bring up the gummy bears because my buddy Wes, who was also a huge um, shorts fan. And I asked him, I said, just hypothetically, if I happen to have a conversation with Joe short, do you have any questions that you might want to ask him? And after he calmed down a little bit about that, he did, he asked me a whole bunch of questions, but one he wanted me to ask you, and it, it's about the gummy tummy. Cause the last time I was up there a couple of weeks ago, uh, you guys posted on, so on Instagram that the last batches of these were out. And I looked at it and I thought, this, this doesn't look very, this doesn't look very good. This doesn't look like something I would enjoy, but like a few <laughs> minutes later, Wes sends me a text and says, any chance you can swing by shorts and get me some of that when you bring it home. And so what, what goes into the process of deciding a short-term seasonal beer to one that you start to do year round? Uh, short-term seasonal versus one we do year round. So, um, well, year round is tough because there's only like six slots for that. So right now it's Little Huma, Space Rock, Bel Air Brown, Huma, Soft Parade, and uh, I don't know, maybe it's five. I could be missing one. Shame on me if I am. <laughs> but uh, so annual beers are a little tougher. But if you're talking about like if it's going to hit a specialty release, which is like, a, you know, a couple thousand, it's like 1,500 cases or a seasonal, which means that it might be out for two or three months. Um, a lot of these things are test driven through the pub first. So the gummy tummy um, is, is more of a specialty one-off release only available from the pub, i.e. And, and or pole barn. Um, and those are just, uh, fun batches that the Bel Air brewers get to make and put them in 22s and we just sell them, sell them by the bottle. But the pub, um, tap room is really where we test everything out. So, if, you know, if there's a beer that goes out, everybody's just like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. You got to make it again. It sells out in two days. Like that gets scratched on the, uh, you know, the list for next year's specialty releases or variety packs or something like that. So I know you got to get, get to your next, next thing here quick. So I, I if you got time for three quick, three quick. Yeah. Ones. Yeah. No problem. Um, you mentioned Bel Air in the summer season and, and the lake traffic you get in the summer, but there's also yeah. you got Shandy Creek and the ski season. Do you have a favorite season that of, they have very obviously different feels between the ski, the ski season, the summer season, the fall leaf color, you know, the colors, what's your favorite time of year there? Well, I mean, it's really hard to beat summertime in Northern Michigan. And it's also really the only time that you can water ski. Um, I try to get in the spring <laughs> fall sets as much as possible, but I think one of the best parts about living in Northern Michigan is you have always something to look forward to. So, you know, here we are cresting into fall. We had a great summer. Leaves are starting to turn. Temperatures are starting to drop. Like fall's awesome. Winter's awesome. Spring would probably be my least favorite. It's so wet and muddy, but um, it's short seemingly. It seems like we just go straight from winter to summer yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I would say summer probably just for the water skiing aspect, but I love, you know, fat tire biking year round, which is great. And, um, yeah, I just look forward to all the seasons. What's your favorite sandwich on the menu? Sketches of Wayne Pill. Oh, okay. It's like I, the number three seller, but I love. That's I love the number the three seller. There, what are the two that sell more than that? Because I think I've so, ordered most. I've, I think I've ordered a million. Number one seller is the white pepper. Okay. That's um, my wife's favorite. And then number two, I think is the someday, which is basically a club. Okay. Club sandwich. I think the sketches of Winkle is the best sandwich I've ever had in my and life. It's ginormous. You basically need a nap after you have it. Uh, yeah. I, 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 yeah. And a wash and two washcloths. <laughs> Cause it's messy. <laughs> so lastly, what's your favorite beer? You know, for annual, annual production brews, Huma Lupalicious um, is the beer I probably drink the most of. It's the beer I've always wanted to make as a brewer. Um, Nicey Spicy is my like go-to beer for the summer. It's like Gatorade for me. <laughs> and then um, I love, I love uh, the beers that we make of Spruce. Um, so Juicy Tree and Spruce Pilsner usually come out in the fall slash winter. And then I've been really digging um, the Furry Buddy Light Stout. And then today, just delivered to my house, is Super Delicious Stout. So it's a, a stout I've just been wanting to make that didn't have a bunch of booze and weird stuff in it. Just one of the good old-fashioned stout because I'm getting old and more traditional, I guess. <laughs> but um, loving, loving all those beers. But who was my go-to? And I guess I just one more cheated question here. How long have you had the mustache? The, uh, about been, twelve years. Okay, eleven years. Describe yeah, it. I, for people. Obviously, for people, I I I knew what you looked like going into this, and I'm obviously looking at your face on the screen. But for people <laughs> who don't know it, it's a little handlebar mustache. Is that what was the inspiration for that? Uh, well, I never um, thought I'd be able to grow a mustache, but I guess I'm a, a little bit of a late bloomer. It all started with. Uh, <laughs> with my, my coworkers, uh, dirty 30 mustache. And, uh, this actually has got a kind of a funny story to it. So I just was getting ready for his dirty 30 mustache party, like three months early. Cause I knew it was going to take me a long time if I could even grow one. And then of course, this is right around the time where, um, my, our first child was born. Um, and then we were doing a bunch of refinancing at the bank. So I had this like really shitty dirt mustache <laughs> for like three months, which was like all my baby pics with, you know, mom and dad, you know, new brand new child, new family pics. And then all the in-person banking meetings where people <laughs> just could not take me serious. Cause I just looked like a total Joe dirt. Um, but then, you know, the party happened and I actually had a decent mustache. And so for my coworker's birthday, I shaved it off and put it in an envelope and gave him the envelope for his birthday. And said, for your birthday, you get my first mustache. <laughs> and then after that, I was like, I think I'm going to go for it. I've like always really admired the, the handlebar and, you know, my hair. Uh, my mustache hair lends itself uh, to the curl quite well. So um, I went for it and uh, it was well-received and I haven't been able to take it back yet. I've actually went a couple uh, months, um, I don't even think of months, but um, clean shaven, like for short instances. And um, 
and then without the curl for a little while. And then the last time I went without the curl, uh, I had requests from my whole family to bring it back. So <laughs> here it is. What kind of maintenance goes into that? You know, not a lot, as long <laughs> as you don't sleep on it weird. Um, <laughs> just a little bit of uh, so don't sleep on your face is what you're saying is that well, you can sleep on it but you just got to make sure it's like not bent it's got to be bent in the right spot before you like press your cheek to the pillow um, <laughs> but uh just a little little mustache wax just a thumbnail mustache wax and it's got to have lanolin in it that's the secret the secret lanolin is what holds it well, Joe, I appreciate you taking some time this afternoon and talking to the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. This has been a, a thrill and can't wait to, we'll be back and I'll, I'll be back up in October, I'm sure. So we will, I will swing. Oh, back. fantastic. Maybe I'll drop you off a, a, one of our souvenir cold oatmeal mugs and you can put it on the mug, on the, the mug wall. I'll have some cold oatmeal out of it. There you go. <laughs> cool. Joe, thanks so much. Thank you guys. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Yep. Take care. See ya. Is that your favorite one? Yeah. How many too. times have you been up there? What's yours? Soft Parade. Soft Parade. Yeah. I've only been there one time. Only one to time. To the actual place, but I have consumed many Soft Parades. I, you know, I my favorite is Space Rock. And, you know, Joe's Joe said that um, Huma was his favorite. And I, I, that would be a very close second. So that's mm-hmm. that's good. I think we should do a road trip. I think That we would should, be awesome. We can get Nick his first beer. How far away is it? <laughs> it's three hours. Yeah. <laughs> we could get a we could get a van. We could all go. That'd be oh fun. Oh my god, that would be. <laughs> I'm not awesome. gonna ride in a van all day with you guys. What? <laughs> I would do it. It feels we'll like we've been in this room all day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I. It would be okay, but I'm not gonna go all that way for like a lunch, a beer. For, yeah. No, there's food. Well, we'll maybe we'd beer. have to stay and At go skiing. We could. Yeah. You could Team all bonding. Come. You yeah. Could Okay, we can do it. Yeah, make yeah. a whole weekend out of I'll, it. I'll get you a list of Airbnbs. You guys can find some place <laughs> nearby. We'll, we'll meet lame. up. It's like hmm. a lot of houses in Norwood. Yeah, there are. No, that was fun, Joe. I and I, I will admit, Stephanie, a bit of a fan fan girl going on there with, mm-hmm. partially because, and I'll say this in his to his credit, I had no anticipation that he would say yes. I was just sitting around coming up with names, and I've had him on my list for two years to so someone I wanted to have on the podcast. And I finally said, "What the hell?" So I went to the website and went, and it says "contact us." And so I just put a little message into the contact box, and two days later, somebody wrote back. You never know till you try, man. And she said, "Joe loves telling the story about shorts, so yeah, we could hook it up." And so that means we can really start like shooting for the moon. We it, can. Yeah, really, it made me think that. What are we? Why are we settling for Peter Rudell? Right. <laughs> I mean, let's let's go big time. We can get I anybody. Get we can get anybody on this podcast. I want Will Ferrell on the podcast. You've been that working on that would for be five years. So cool. <clears throat> Keep going. I think that we could. Yeah. I mean, Joe's inspired. Not only his his food and his beer are inspiring, but I think he's inspired this podcast to reach to new heights. Yeah. With guests. So, Carly, you be our guest booker. You want to be our guest booker? I do not want that actually <laughs> <laughs> you're so good at it that you should just keep doing nighty it. night <laughs> maybe <right>. if you <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you bought her a case of huma no soft parade soft, soft parade. parade you gotta listen to the podcast nick
I couldn't remember the name, I should say. (laughs) (laughs) You've been up there, haven't you, Anna? You were there. Oh, yeah. How many times have you been to Shorts? Just a couple. Been there for a rehearsal dinner. That was super fun. Mm. One of the cool things they did last winter when they couldn't, when they had to have all the seating restrictions is there's a vacant lot across the street. And I don't know, I think it was gravel before, but they took these huge beer barrels and they basically built wall partitions and in this parking lot of maybe... 10 or 12 little areas and they had a fire pit in each area and they opened up the takeout counter and so you walk up to the takeout counter and get your drink and get your food and walk across the street stand around a fire pit that's awesome in this little room and it was actually it was packed i mean the middle of winter the place was packed all all winter so i didn't we didn't get a chance to talk to him about covid stuff just because i'm sick of talking about covid but i was he was really creative in how they they put their stuff together in that so so have you talked to him before? No. Like while you were there? I've never met him before. Okay. Uh, since I didn't get to ask any questions because you were fangirling the whole time. You didn't raise your hand in my <laughs> 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 What is his day job now? Like is he a brewer or is he just like in the, on the executive side? Of I think he's still, I, I'm, I guess I'm guessing. I, I get the sense he still brews stuff, comes up with stuff, but he, he runs the show now. He's, he's, the, he's the boss guy. I mean, he has a finance guy that he talked about. Yeah. He does the books. Um, but it sounds like he's, he still runs it. And it's turned into this big thing. So it was fun talking to him. And I, I have to admit, I was a little stressed. Maybe it picked up in my voice just because we gave him the phone number. I didn't. I was too nervous to talk to him face-to-face. Because I <laughs> like I don't want, I, I don't want the nerve. Like, it's it's a, a perfect stranger. How, you do that all the time on I this know. podcast, don't you? I know. But I, I, just, I was like, we're, we'll do this by phone. Okay. And so I gave him the phone number thinking he would dial in and we could just we just have to listen. But then all of a sudden it pops up and there's his face on Joe's screen and Joe just like scoots the camera over in my face. <laughs> like, well, you talking the talking. I mean, I, it's weird so I'm when like, I'm looking at him and stranger. I'm not saying anything. I'm like, Hi. I feel like that's worse than, I feel like Zoom is worse than face-to-face. So, it's yes. definitely worse than as phone call. No, it was. Awkwardness? Yeah, yeah. It was okay, a little, yeah. it was a little awkward. But again, to For his sure. credit, he made the call. He took the time, and I appreciate that because it's been it's a cool place to hang out. Just as cool as listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Almost. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, right. <laughs> With that, uh, Joe Short was our guest. For Nikki, Stephanie, Nick, Carly, Anna, Joe, this has been Matt, and we will talk to you next time. Cheers.